Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So this is a follow-up of uh, the class a few weeks ago. So that means in a few minutes I'm going to be turning the class over to you to ask questions. So we're going to have primarily a question-answer um, session, but first just a little introduction to this idea of uh, answers. We talked about questions a couple of weeks ago, so now we're f finishing the, uh, the connection there between questions and answers. In uh, uh, our founder, Srila Prabhupada would often refer to this question by a great saintly person. His name was Sanatana Goswami. And uh, he said, he said Kayami, simple question, who am I? Uh, it's, but isn't that perhaps one of the most, perhaps the most essential question that we can ask? Who am I? And for, if we ask your average person in the street, they might give their name. They might give where they're from. They might talk about their parents. They might. Um, Lord Chaitanya, when asked that question, this is how he answered it. He said, you, and that means all of us in this room and everyone in the world, um, have the greatest position, the greatest fortune, because we, our real identity, our swarup, who we truly are, is an eternal servant of God, an eternal servant of Krishna. So what a, what a great question and equally great answer. And of course, you know, we could go on talking about the, this question and this answer, you know, as I say, till the cows come home. But we only have one cow, so till the cow comes home. <clears throat> um, another famous answer, this is... Uh, it mentioned in the Mahabharata, which is a very, it's uh, bigger than the Iliad, it's a huge text. And there's a long background to the, to the uh, story, which I won't go into now, um, but the uh, Yudhisthira Maharaj, who was a great saintly person and a king, uh, he was asked this question of Yamaraj, the, the lord of death, who, was, who had taken the, the form of a crane. So you see a picture here of them, and Yamaraj asks, what is the most wonderful thing in the world? And look at the answer that Yudhisthira gives. The most wonderful thing is that we see or hear of people dying, our grandparents, famous people, even animals, right? Just like yesterday, the, the last person born in the 1800s passed away, right? At 117 years old. And still we think we will not die. I mean, we know theoretically in the back of our mind, but we, but we go about our lives, uh, as we heard about uh, the great sage, um, as if we weren't going to die, as if we're going to just, oh, it's so, I'm so sorry to hear about Aunt so-and-so. But still in the back, we're thinking, well, I'm, it's not me. All right, so this was uh, a, a, a very important question and answer between Yudhisthira, uh, between Yudhisthira and Yamaraj. Uh, sometimes answers can be quite, insightful. One time someone tried to stump our, uh, our spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, and they asked him, uh, 
Well, the, the guru is supposed to know everything. And he said, yes. So then, tell me, how many windows are there in the Empire State Building? Right? And here is Srila Prabhupada's reply. He said, how much water is there in a mirage? Isn't that a great answer? That was his answer. How much water is there in a mirage? You have to think about that. There's a, there's a long purport to that if you think about it, right? The Empire State Building, made of material energy, is also temporary, right? A mirage, how much water does a mirage actually have? And also, is that kind of question an important question? No. Sometimes Prabhupada could also be quite um, uh, entertaining. Someone asked him, Swamiji, uh, is the earth flat? And his answer? Everywhere I walk, <laughs> except New Brindavan. If you know, New Brindavan is in the hills of uh, West Virginia. <laughs> so, again, not the kind of question you ask a great spiritual uh, teacher, but still a fantastic answer and a little entertaining at that. Everywhere I walk, except <laughs> West Virginia. <laughs> so, um, Here's some keys to have successful questions and answers. Um, first one is that it's important to hear answers from the right person. Now, you may think it's a bit presumptuous of me, who is going to be answering questions in a few minutes, to say that I'm the right person. I don't claim to be the right person. Uh, the only qualification I feel I have is that for the last 40 years, I've been listening to the answers that, uh, that uh, my teacher Srila Prabhupada has given in, in his books and in his lectures and in his, his talks with people. So that much, at least, if I'm repeating the words of a, of a person who is the right person, then uh, there can be some benefit. But it's important in general right, to ask the right questions to the right people. Just like the, some of those previous questions, not the best questions to ask a great spiritual teacher. Right? But there are appropriate questions to ask appropriate people. Right? If you're, something's wrong with your car, it's much better to ask an a, a, a honest uh, and good car mechanic than, you know, than uh, someone off the street, because right? they know about cars. Right? So in any particular um, circumstance, asking the right person is very important. Right? If I want to know about singing, Right? I might ask Dinanath Prabhu or Gauravani Prabhu, or as we learned last week, uh, Palaka Prabhu, right? Uh, that was uh, Garuda Prabhu said he was a great singer, yes, uh, etc. So we have different uh, people that we would ask different questions to. So we should hear answers from the right person. And we should be willing to act on those answers, allow them to change our lives. We see when we studied the Vedic wisdom, we see how when someone approaches a bona fide guru, they're in this mood of, of sincerity where they don't just hear it and say, okay, thanks a lot, have a nice day, right? But they, they, they take it into their hearts and they're willing to change their lives according to that answer. We see that in the Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna had so many questions. He, in, in, out of the 18 chapters, nine of them start with a question. The other nine, basically, Krishna has anticipated the question and he's already answering it. <laughs> but 
But we see that Arjuna totally changed his life, totally changed his mindset in that short conversation that he had with Krishna in, uh, on the battle of Kurukshetra in the Bhagavad Gita. He was going to do one thing at the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, totally changed his mind. So um, it's, not, it's hard to muster up that kind of sincerity, but when we get an answer from the right source, to be willing to adjust our lives according to that. Hmm? Uh, you ever shop around for the answer you want? You ever shop around, you ever shop around for the answer you want? <laughs> right? Sometimes we do that. Right? I, when I was a child, we used to get uh, around the holiday season these uh, boxes of chocolate in the, you know, wrapped in the little wrappers. And uh, um, my brother and I, we didn't like the dark chocolate. We only liked the light chocolate. So at the end of the holidays, what was left was all the dark chocolate. And we just picked the, ones, the, can the sweets that we liked. So we shouldn't kind of be like that. Uh, it's just like if uh, I'm thinking of something, think of something wild. Um, you know, even though it's beyond my means, should I buy a Porsche? What do you think, Prabhu? <laughs> I saw I get five people. No, Gorbani says no, you say no, you say no, you say no. Everyone's saying no. I still want that Porsche. Chaman Puri, do I want, can I get that? Yes, thank you, okay. <laughs> I got the answer I want. <laughs> right, so sometimes we do that as well, right? We, we keep on asking the question until we get, the, we already know what we want. And then we think, oh, it's okay. Chaman Puri told me to get the car. <laughs> if I go into debt, his fault. Right. So, we, so shopping around for the answer. <laughs> You're his wife if you uh, tell him to write the check. <laughs> we'll talk after class. And it's okay to have doubts. Arjuna had doubts. So many, uh, he had a number of doubts. There's a number of doubts that are mentioned in the, in the, in the uh, Vedic wisdom. Hmm? It's not unusual to have doubts. But we should uh, not you know, uh, sweep them under the carpet of neglect and just kind of hope they'll go away one day. But ask, ask, uh, inquire. I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure about that. The scriptures say this here, but they say that there. How do I reconcile that? Those are, those are good questions. Hopefully you'll have some of those questions in just a couple of minutes. And finally, kind of along the same lines, um, be open to gray areas. Not everything is black and white. Right? Something that, that sometimes something will be answered one way in a certain context and a different way in another context. Hmm? Um, there's many things in the, in the Vedic wisdom that are, we're going to talk about this in the next slide, but are according to the time, the place, and the circumstance. Sometimes we just like to say, you know, it should just be right or wrong, but not everything is like that. Not everything is like that. Hmm? Just like, uh, for example, um, I was talking to a good friend of mine. He's, he's spoken here once or twice. His name is Yogeshwar Das. He um, is from New York. And he, uh, he wrote that, a book, I think you'll see here in the book corner, called Swamiji in a Strange Land, a, a biography about Srila Prabhupada. So he told me this story just the other day that he was with Srila Prabhupada just when George Harrison of the Beatles had donated his mansion 
to, uh, to the ISKCON, to the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, just outside of London. And they had just moved in. And if anyone's ever been there or heard about it, it's in a very posh area, kind of like, like the Potomac of uh, London. And so one de uh, devotee had a thought that we should invite all the local residents and have a little festival for them. This, was, I, this must have been 1970, perhaps? 72, perhaps. So this devotee had an idea that he, he had a, uh, started a, uh, got a rock and roll band together. And they were playing, bless you, playing music uh, and also chanting Hare Krishna. And so uh, Yogeshwar Prabhu asked Prabhupada, is this okay? Because you know, we're so used to the traditional instruments that you were hearing before. He said, is this okay? And Prabhupada said, yes, it is all right. They are chanting Hare Krishna. What is, it's okay. And then Yogeshwar said, but Prabhupada, about two months ago, you stopped. Uh, there was a group of uh, devotees traveling around America and they were playing similar kind of music and going to universities and saying, but you stopped that. So, which one is it? And Srila Prabhupada said, no, that was for a different reason. He said, they were staying up very late at night and they didn't have a good spiritual program in the morning, so I stopped that. So again, is it black and white? No, there were gray areas. So don't be surprised if sometimes in, in getting answers, it's, it's nuanced according to the time, the place, and the circumstance. So answers should be based on Shastra. Shastra is a Sanskrit word for scriptures or the Vedic wisdom, uh, the Bhagavad Gita in particular, and also according to the time, the place, and the circumstance. Just like, again, our founder, when he was giving lectures in India, he quoted Sanskrit twice as much as when he was giving lectures in Western countries. So he adjusted it according to the audience. So talks are like that. And, uh, whoops, there was something. Uh, <clears throat> so if we have good questions, no, no I, I got it right. If this is to be done, answers based on Shastra according to time, place, and circumstance, if that's to be done, then we all benefit from such questions and answers because we're talking about Krishna. And talking about Krishna purifies the heart. So therefore, what questions do you have? And do we have microphones ready? Okay. Now there were so many questions two weeks ago, so uh, you know, I'm waiting. Yes, Prabhu. Uh, sorry, I'm ca I came late. You know, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes late. Uh, okay, uh, I I missed your first part. So. So if, you, if some person know only one person, they can ask questions, they, 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 they provoke to ask questions, right? If person blank or empty zero, how do they get questions, first of all? I'm not sure I understand. Could you say that one more time? For example, you know, in my case, I haven't finished Bhagavad Gita totally. Okay. Right? If, uh, for, for example, my colleague, they did not start. So how do they, they, could, they get questions if they don't start? Well, we can have, it's, it's the nature of the, of the living entity to have questions, right? We're all, right from the moment we're waking up, we talked about this two weeks ago, right? So right from the moment we wake up to the time we go to sleep, we're asking so many questions. It, uh, of course, if we're looking up in the sky and it's not cloudy and we're not in the middle of the city, we see so many stars and, and the moon and we think, you know, how did it get there? We don't necessarily have to have read the Bhagavad Gita to have questions. Naturally, 
questions about the Bhagavad Gita will come up as we read it. But having questions is almost the, uh, is just our nature. The, the, the key is to have the answers from the Bhagavad Gita. So therefore, I request you to continue reading it. And even on our, uh, on our um, SoundCloud at ISKCON of DC, we have uh, the Bhagavad Gita classes that are there and you can listen to the recordings. Um, because then you'll be able to answer your colleagues' questions based on the Bhagavad Gita. But I think it's natural for us to have questions of all sorts, including met metaphysical ones, just because we want to know who am I, where have I come from, where am I going? Is there a goal of life? If there is, what is it? Those kind of questions uh, come naturally, at, at least as, as long as we're not totally distracted by everything in the world. The politics, the sports, the, the interpersonal conflicts, the big, you know, there's so many things that kind of stop us from asking the really important questions of life. So it's important to take a pause and ask those kind of questions. Is that okay? Thank you. I saw a hand just to your right. Can I, can I speak in Hindi? Yes, but I won't understand. Ah. Ah. <laughs> but I'll have, I have devotees here who can translate. I'm from Jaipur. TK? Why is Sri in front of Radha's name? Ah. Because she's so beautiful. She's Sri Sri. No, no. Yes, yes. It's not a beautiful. <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there is some. Usually, usually we say Sri Sri Radha Madan Mohan. So one Sri belongs to Radha, one to Radha to Madan Mohan. Sri means beautiful, right? Or anyone else? Can I explain? Auspicious, opulent, something really positive. So Sri Radha is also very respectful. Instead of just Radha, we say Sri Radha. So we say Sri Sri Radha Madan Mohan. But if you want to say it as many times as you like. But that's the main reason we do it. We say it's, a, it's veneration. It's respectful to say Sri Radha. Uh, do you get to answer that? No. Oh, then, okay. TK? He's okay. Uh, Palaka here, and let's have a, oh, let's, uh, Gopi Manjari. Hi, Krishna Prabhu. Um, I wanted to ask about, um, talking about time, place, and circumstance. Okay. Uh, giving an answer and receiving an answer according to time, place, and circumstance from Prabhupada's books, it, it's very delicate um, and who you hear from. So sometimes there are so many different answers yes. based on this very point. Yes that in one sense I feel like you almost have to, like you said, don't cherry pick, don't just go for what you want. But then, <laughs> I mean, in one sense, giving the answer according to this, it takes a level of qualification. Um, but also receiving the answer takes a, a level of qualification of the person giving it because yes. I just feel like things are always taken out of contents. They can be. Um, a lot actually, <laughs> and therefore to make it relevant, 
um, I was wondering if you can explain a little bit more on both the receiver and the giver of making it relevant and how do you know you're actually, mm -hmm. I don't know, for me I always find people ask me questions. Oh, that's a great question. How do we make it relevant to that individual? Great question. So first let's go to um, a, uh, this is mentioned in, in the Nectar of Devotion which is a book that Srila Prabhupada translated uh, from the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. It's a wonderful book all about how to practice bhakti. And in the sixth chapter of that book, in the beginning, he talks about the difference between principles and details. Okay? Principles are changed, by definition, are changeless, right? Uh, water is wet, sugar is sweet. Uh, or in the bhakti context, Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. The material world is a temporary place. These you wouldn't find, at least amongst scholars of the Gita, any, any disagreement. Everyone agree with these basic truths. Our tattva is the uh, Sanskrit word, literally means truth. So those are the principles. How those are sometimes applied are the details, just like we heard about that rock music or, or something like that. Um, uh, just to give you another example from our founder's uh, life, uh, he was in his room one time with a, with, his, uh, with a devotee and another devotee walked in and paid his respects and Srila Prabhupada said, you are a sannyasi, that means a person who's renounced. Uh, as a sannyasi, you shouldn't stay anywhere more than three days, just constantly be traveling and teaching. And the devotee said, thank you very much, paid respects and left the room. A few minutes later, a, uh, another sannyasi walked in the room, paid his respects, and said, Prabhupada, what should I do? What, 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 what do you suggest? He said, you're a sannyasi. You just stay in one place and develop that place. Don't travel. <laughs> he said, yes, and he left the room. And then the, the one person who was with Prabhupada at both times said, And Prabhupada's answer was, do you think the guru is, a, is, is just a stone statue? That he can't give one instruction for the benefit of one person and a different instruction for the benefit of the other. So the principle was giving instructions to benefit people. The details adjusted according to the person. Right? So, so because, as you're saying, Gopi Manjari, people naturally will give different, especially about details, not about principles, but about details, people will give different answers sometimes. So I've, I would suggest that therefore we ask those kind of questions to someone we really trust. Right? Someone that we really uh, feel they understand us and, and, uh, and we really feel that they're you know, answering for our benefit. And, and then we know that we're probably getting a time, place and circumstance instruction, but Krishna is likely speaking through that person and I have that trust in their words as opposed to shopping around. How does that, does that work for you? Yeah, um, I was just thinking, just worldwide, there is so much religious fundamentalism based on not applying this principle, not being able to apply uh, yeah. a lesson or a great teaching from all traditions and how it's applied to me is, Mm -hmm. is really shown like, yes. can be quite destructive. What's that saying? We both read the Bible day and night, you read black and I read white. Right? Or you can say the Gita, same thing. Yes. And it's also easy to quote out of context. Right? You know, like, like there's one sentence where Srila Prabhupada says, sense gratification is wonderful. Now, if you just finish, if you just quote that, you get a certain 
understanding. And then he said, if you're a dog or a hog, <laughs> that's the other half of the sentence. <laughs> but sometimes you just quote the first half of the sentence. So you can, um, you know, instead of being Bhagavad Gita as it is, you can make it Bhagavad Gita as you like. <laughs> just by, you know, quoting it out of context. So there, that's also where that sincerity principle comes in. Is that okay? Palaka uh, Prabhu? So I know you've given good examples about karma and being on an airplane and, and free will, but how, when this arises that, let's say someone's on that airplane and, and another passenger decides he's going to hijack that plane and in the process shoots you, is that your karma that you get shot or is that the hijacker's free will that he interfered with your karma? Well, or you, is had, that you had to choose such a graphic example. <laughs> Couldn't you just have... Couldn't you just, you know, dragged off the airplane? But that would be a little... Uh, <laughs> That's too relevant. That's too relevant. I'm flying on United today. <laughs> I'm wearing knee pads. <laughs> no, no. no, actually, actually, I have good experience with United. Um, there can be both. It just, let's say, in, in a general interaction, there can be, uh, there can be uh, you know, us getting our karma and people uh, expressing their free will. And therefore... One of, the, one of the wonderful pearls of wisdom that I've heard of, out of thousands from Srila Prabhupada where he said, um, do not be upset at the agent of your karma. Do not be upset at the agent of your karma. So you got it coming and it's just Ramchandra who you know, blocked my car in today and so he was delivering my karma to me. Thank you. It wasn't really him. but But... So the, and also in the Gita itself, Krishna says that the, the laws of karma are very difficult to understand, how they all take place. But, we, but it can be that someone is expressing their free will and we're getting our karma. But the idea of not being upset with the agent of your karma, one of the, one, besides the obvious, you know, how that can lift anxiety and anger and revenge from our heart, it also does something else. It frees us from that karma. And we don't have to, uh, we, that non-reaction liberates that karma from our heart. It's gone. Uh, yes, Karen. Um, my I know this is gonna be a tough question, go ahead. No, no, my oh. question <laughs> is about um, Krishna, God as a person. Right. But as a preference for that, a little pre-comment to give you context. You say when, when we chant the Maha Mantra, the names of God chanting, that he's with you or he, and yes. so intuitively, after chanting for a long time, I kind of believe that now. I, I feel it, I'm not sure what's going on, but I have a personal experience. Wonderful. So anyone that chants for a while it, 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 you're never going back. It's like, it's like, sh it's like uh, food for the body. I don't even know how to explain. It's beyond my food for the soul, perhaps. For the soul. In the same way, with all respect, I'm from that uh, Jewish background, and in Mazel tov. in the in the Bible, it said, "Do not try and make a picture of me, God. Right. I'm beyond your comprehension." Right. So. When you say God is a person, I'm really just, I don't, 
I don't, I don't have access to the truth. Let's just put it like that. It's okay. a I'll just say it's a beautiful idea for me now. I just go, oh, look how Krishna is your friend, a person. I can't, it's way beyond my, I don't know how to say this with respect. No, it's I, a beautiful it. idea. Right. When I leave here, I go, I'm by myself. I go home, he's not my friend. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'd love to have him as my friend, but I'm really struggling even to understand that. Mm. And I realize you have to be a little vulnerable, have to be a little open, be willing to be a little confused to get answering questions anyway, to really, there has to be some dissatisfaction in something to really look for a new answer, to let go, but. Vulnerability is, is a, uh, is important. We did a, a talk about a month or two about trust. I don't know if people remember that, um, where we talked about how, um, there was four quadrants. One was, uh, I think, logic, or and one was um, emotion. And the the quadrant that we were looking at for real trust is a combination of the two. We don't want to be gullible, you know, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid kind of people. And neither do we want to, you know, it's not really very fun to just be a total skeptic about everything, right? So. Uh, we want to accept anything with, with logic, reasoning, but also with our heart, because they go together. Um, I also come from a Jewish background, that's why Mazel Tov just goes off my lips, like, you know. Uh, and I never, I never found, uh, I didn't struggle with it so much. Uh, I understood, for example, the Bible says that to not worship idols and to make graven images. And then I understood that the, the murtis the, uh, of Krishna, murti means deity or statue of Lord, um, they're, they're, they're not graven images, they're not just you know, something made up, a uh, golden calf or something like that, but rather something that has been mentioned in the ancient Vedic literature, um, predating even uh, those statements of the Bible to uh, about what is a bona fide way to worship the Supreme. So it would be a long discussion uh, about um, personalism and impersonalism. There is an impersonal feature of God. Uh, usually in Sanskrit, Praman, we were hearing about that a, a little while, of, was it last week? By Garuda Prabhu was, was speaking about, uh, about that. Um, but ultimately, Krishna says, uh, Brahmano hi pratisht aham. He says, I am the pratishta, the basis of Brahman. And you know, simple things such as, Whenever we see anything practically in this world, we think that there's a person behind it. Obviously, you know, someone, you know, there's a person who created this watch and created the whole idea of how watches work in the first place. It didn't just happen by chance. So um, also we look at this world and we think there's a person behind it. So there's a lot to be, that's a long, long, long discussion. But So, you know, it's God's energy our creativity. I just still think he's up there, but he's inside us. But as our personal friend, I'm just having a, and you can come around later if you want. Yeah, anyone. we can talk later, but. Just, or, I don't understand he's, he's your friend. I don't get it. I'm just clueless, so. And it's been three years, you know, it's like I'm really slow here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it, it, just keep it open, but I really would love to even get some idea how he's your. I'll just mention one thing about the friend. Uh, another verse, uh, last verse of the fifth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says Bhoktaram Yagatapasam Sarva Loka Maheshwaram Suridam Surit is, means friend Suridam Sarva Bhutanam Gyatvamam 
Shantim Richati. And it says that one who understands or develops the understanding that our activities are meant for God's pleasure, Bhogturam Yagatapasam, Sarva Loka Maheshram, that everything belongs to Him. Uh, he's the creator of everything. And most importantly, that He's the Surit, the friend of all living entities. And one who understands that or develops that understanding, Gatva, uh, knowing that, Mam, about Krishna, Mam, Shantim Richati, they attain complete peace. Yeah, but that's, that's his point. Yes, Chaman? Hare Krishna. Yes. Uh, a practical question. A oh, young lady is a devotee and she's It's not a practical joke. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> and she's looking for a life partner. She finds a young man, but he eats meat. Okay. And she knows Bhagavad Gita says and she's a devotee. Should there be a litmus test for her to find a life partner? Should there be a litmus test mm -hmm. for her to find a life partner? Well... Next question. <laughs> uh, um, this, uh, this is a time, place, and circumstance, right? <laughs> it's a time, place, and circumstance. Uh, uh, in all of our centers around the world, where I find this question the most is in China, that many, many uh, people become devotees and their spouse not necessarily so. I've seen it all the places I visited in China where there are devotees, I, I, I get asked this question. Um, Srila Prabhupada, his sister, uh, she was married to a gentleman who ate fish. And she was a real paka, a real strict uh, Vaishnavi. So what she would do in her case is that she would cook for her husband on separate uh, uh, cooking utensils. Then after that, she would take a shower, cook uh, and the clean things and offer that to Krishna. And lived a happily, uh, I don't know happily, but lived a long married life. I, yeah, happily, that's, that's more than we could ask for, perhaps. But, uh, um, but if we're choo you're saying choosing a partner, naturally we tend to try to find people who share the same values as us, right? I mean, that's, that's just, uh, uh, there's an, even in Vedic astrology, there's this idea of compatibility, right? Um, uh, beyond that, Sometimes uh, the one, the person who's taken to Krishna consciousness can convince the other person that would, you know, um, especially if they're a good cook, right, <laughs> whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, there's no hard and fast rules for that. Sometimes they really, you know, but um, I think in general we look for compatibility. And it's interesting, spiritual and material compatibility. There's material compatibility, you know, from a similar, sometimes they say sometimes a similar socioeconomic background is, can be helpful because they sometimes share similar values. And then spiritually, their level of uh, spirituality. Like in my case, it's a little tough because I'm much more spiritual than my wife. So, uh, so there's, there's that, uh, you know, there's that, there's that friction there. There will be now. Yeah, <laughs> there will. <laughs> but, you know, I'm getting over it. <laughs> I think one of the ladies back here had a question, was it? No? One, let's see, we've been going between men and women here. Yes, okay. Brinda? We had husband and wife hand, have the hands up at the same time. So we picked the be better singer of the two. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Hare Krishna. Um, 
this is kind of piggybacking off Karen's question, just seeing Krishna as our friend, and you know, always wanting the best. I mean, a friend will always want the best for, for that person. Right. And um, I find it difficult how, you know, all of us were, mo most of us here are in, you know, we have a good, we're in a good circumstance, we're, we have a nice home and we're safe. But people who are struggling in war, in Syria, <clears throat> you know, all of the disasters just around the world constantly. And you just see little children dying. How, how can you explain to them? Or even it's just difficult to comprehend that Krishna is their friend. Like, a friend would never want to do harm or any harm to come to anyone. Um, and so I find it difficult to mm. understand that and to explain that to others. Um. Well, first we need, there's different, obviously there's numerous ways to answer that question. Um, first we might turn to the Bhagavad Gita and hear what Krishna has to say about this world. Um, it's interesting, and in two places in the Gita he says almost the exact same thing, but in different words. In one place he says, Dukalayam asashvatam. Um, I think we've explained this word before. Uh, alaya means the place, right? Like a place you get medicine in, in India is called Ashodalaya, the place where you get, right? Or a, a restaurant is called Bojanalaya, a place that you get food. And so Dukalaya, he calls that this world is a place of, uh, of Dukkha. What does Dukkha mean? Sorrow, suffering, misery. So he, yeah. And then in another place in the Gita, he says almost the exact same thing, but in different words. Anityam. Asukam loka. He says that it's a world, loka, of anityam, uh, not eternal, temporary, and asukam, um, not of happiness. So that's just, let's just lay that, that Bhagavad Gita groundwork. Um, then we could question our situation first, right? Um, yes, obviously, from, from an external point of view, you're absolutely right. Of course, we're much more comfortable sitting here in Potomac, Maryland, listening to about Krishna and beautiful deities. We're going to have a beautiful lunch in a few minutes, all right? And that's uh, a, a far cry from uh, Aleppo or, or, you know, so many places in this world that are suffering. Um, the reality, and that is true, the reality, however, we have to remember is that for everyone in this world, uh, there's janma, mrityu, jira, and vyadi, right? Birth, death, disease, and old age. That's, that's true um, for, for, for all living entities. Um, the next thing, so that's another part of the groundwork. I'm trying to work my way towards your answer. Because it's, it's, it's a deep question. It's, it's a very important question. Um, we have our karma. We have activities that we've performed either in early in this life or in previous lives that affect, for example, the family that we're born into, the, the parts of the world that we're born into, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's how the, the law of karma works. Matter of fact, that's one of the things that first interested me in, in Krishna consciousness. I grew up in a very wealthy suburb of Long Island in New York, 
And when I would go into Manhattan, um, I would see you know, people begging on the streets and, and the homeless people. And I always wondered, why is someone born with a silver spoon in their mouth and someone living off the, uh, on the street? And until I read the Bhagavad Gita, where I understood the idea of reincarnation, the idea of karma, I, I, think, I thought things were unfair like that. But then when I saw, well, it, you know, we're getting, people get, we get what we deserve. That, now that, that does not mean, by the way, we, we have some callous uh, approach to uh, those who are suffering. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the description of a devotee is uh, para dukkha dukhi. That, a devote, that we are meant to feel sorrow when we see other people's sorrow. Hmm? Um, and and I, I can remember, I mean, just as an example, when I was in India when the tsunami reached to Chennai. And it was such a terrible situation there. So we have a, uh, a hospital in, in uh, Mumbai called Bhaktivedanta Hospital, uh, run by the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. So practically all the doctors picked up left Bombay, went to Chennai, and just offered months of uh, free medical service, and, and the devotees were cooking uh, kitri for thousands of people in these huge baths. So we're not meant to, uh, to step aside and not uh, worry about the, the ill fate of, uh, of our brothers and sisters in the world. So uh, like I was saying before to the previous question, karma is a difficult uh, thing to grasp. And you're also right, Brenda, that um, one time, uh, I think it was Thailand, that our, our founder Prabhupada was there, and he was watching people going through the garbage to get something to eat. And he said, if people, you cannot, you know, talk to them about Bhagavad Gita when the only thing they're trying to do is get enough to fill their tummy, right? And therefore, he, he would say things like, at least at least within 10 mile radius of all of our temples, no one should be hungry. Of course, in Potomac, that's pretty easy, right? But in uh, other parts of the world, it's not so easy. So, um, so but the real, the gist of your question, Brenda, is, um, is why is God doing this, right? right. And, the, and Krishna says, he has compassion for all living entities but he doesn't interfere with our independence, with our free will. And he says in the fourth chapter of the Gita that, uh, that the positions that we find in this world, I don't put them there. It's, it's, it's automatic, uh, you could say automatic, according to their karma. But he's always hoping that uh, people will turn to him and experience the kind of happiness that you know, Karen was talking about, the, the bliss of chanting and things like that. So it, it is, uh, I think one of the most important things is what should be our, as a ambassador of God, of Krishna, Krishna consciousness, what should be our reaction when we see the sufferings of the world? And that should be not to um, just think, well, I'm glad it wasn't me, but rather uh, have compassion and do what we can to, uh, to help those that are suffering. Uh, I think uh, we have a few minutes. One, two. Oh, yes. Go ahead. How can a person be submissive uh, when he's asking for answers for his doubts? Uh, because in general, um, you know, asking for answers for your doubts and false ego go in parallel. Because we think we know the answer, but we still want to 
uh, inquire the, uh, the uh, person we think who can answer a question. Well, uh, there's, there's two kinds of doubts, right? One doubt is, let's say at least in Krishna consciousness, one doubt is, well, you know, I'm not supposed to eat meat, fish, or eggs, you know, have sex outside of marriage, and no gambling, and no, no intoxication. Well, if I doubt that, then I can do all those things. Pretty cool, huh? Right? Uh, the other doubt is the sincere, I'm really trying to understand. You have more knowledge than I have. Could you please, and that, that was Krishna's, that was Arjuna's approach. He said in the second chapter, verse seven, karpanya doso pato sobhava prichami chandarma somudicheta and then the last line is the important one. Sisyas, which means disciple. Sisyas teham sadi mamtvam prapanam. Now I, I, I'm prostrating myself at your feet. You please instruct me. And then you, then that's that idea, or the other example that's given in the scriptures that um, uh, if a couple is trying to conceive a child, and if the man is potent and the woman is fertile, Right? and it's the right time of the year, right time of the month, then they'll, they'll conceive. So if the uh, questioner is sincere and the answerer is, uh, is the appropriate person, then it's very good question and answers. And you see the whole Gita is questions and answers. See, guy? Yes. Um, I would like to actually not ask a question, but maybe add a little bit to your previous answer, okay. if I may. So the question you asked, I was actually struggling with it for quite a long time also. And um, I couldn't find peace because I see so many people suffer in the world and I feel so good, so I feel guilty about it. But once I've heard it in the lecture, I, to be honest, don't remember who was the lecturer, but it helped me to resolve this problem. And he said that if we think of, of the heirs of our world as a place where we come to enjoy, where we come to have pleasure, then of course all this suffering from other people looks to be unfair, and all our suffering it's also seems to be unfair. But if you consider the heirs as a place where you come to fix mistakes, to correct all bad what you've done before, then it starts making sense. And that helped me, maybe it will help you too. Okay. Did you hear that in Russian or in English? In Russian. It wasn't me. <laughs> Is it time for one more? No. No. Okay. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.